You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit LAKings.com slash podcast. To Athens, see you. Shot, knocked down, loose puck, Grundstrom whacking at it. Loose puck again. They score! Gabe Velarde cleans it up in front. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the L.A. Kings. Sanford, back pass intercepted by Brown, and Brown takes, shoots, scores! What a goal, Dustin Brown! Rewind that one and hang on to it! Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. When it comes to a starting lineup, everybody loves the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare that the pros love, LA Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB. The starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-size intense therapy lip balm, that's SPF 25 in natural mint. Here's to the winning combination of the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB while supplies last. Six in a row, you guys. Six in a row with points and seven straight. I am not going to waste any more of your time with this intro. Let's talk about it. Well, unbelievably, it is six wins in a row, points and seven straight. I cannot wrap my brain around it, so to help me out, uh, Jack Jablonski, how are you doing tonight, Jack? I'm good, Jesse. We've got a hot team. That's right. And a man whose voice you may recognize, uh, but whose name you may not, Trevor Rabone. How are you doing today, Trev? Doing good. I'm I'm. On the optimism train tonight. That's Everybody right. jump aboard. <laughs> That's right. Choo-choo. I'm just pumping my hand like I'm uh, pulling an air brake. It is the uh, the era of unbridled optimism. Um, Trevor, let's quickly jump in. For those who may recognize the voice, you are the current uh, PA announcer at Staples Center. Um, f- doing a great job. <laughs> How much fun is that? <laughs> Appreciate it. it. It's a blast. It's so much fun. I, I was not expecting to do that this year. Um, it, it just kind of fell into place here uh like a couple of weeks before the season started so it's it's so much fun i mean it's it's obviously a bummer that nobody is around uh so that's kind of it's weird to do pa in front of nobody but uh it's still it's still a lot of fun it's a blast well you're doing a great job and we're going to get to uh to the details of that job in a bit but we're going to start off just I'm just going to say it, man. I expected the team to lose this one tonight. Uh, we're going to cover both games against St. Louis. But, Jack, I texted you early in the third period. They're going to lose this one. <laughs> um, you did. Yeah, I was wrong. I'm glad you were wrong. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, gladly. <laughs> uh, no, it, the team just, you know, they took advantage of a, a, a forward, shy St. Louis Blues. And they're able to dominate uh, on the offensive end, which is something that we're not used to saying. So, you know, by all means, I think this is something that the Kings are going to be able to build off of going into a really important matchup against Minnesota. And, um, hey, we'll take six in a row. Yeah, I, I pointed out on Twitter uh, last, the first game against St. Louis, I made some comment about, you know, with all of the injuries the Kings have suffered. And, I, you know, I was saying I'm disregarding the four-game losing streak that they went on immediately following that loss to Minnesota when they lost uh, Roy and Walker and Athens to you and Lazad and, and somebody playfully sort of (laughs) shot back at me like well shouldn't we take into consideration all the injuries that the opposing teams that we faced have and i said no 
<laughs> no, we shouldn't. I don't care. It's not our around. problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wins a win. You take them however you can get them. Yeah, you can only play the team in front of you. And uh, and it was it was interesting to me tonight. The moment that I really pounded the final nail in the I don't care coffin about the injuries to St. Louis was on that three minute um, delayed penalty late in the third period, right? And St. Louis looked great. Um, so I don't want to hear anything about how they're missing guys or they couldn't compete or they're banged up. Like they looked, they looked phenomenal. They were moving the puck. They held on, they kept possession for whatever it was over three minutes on a delayed penalty. Um, if they had played like that for the rest of the game or, you know, the previous game, they'd have come away with at least one point in this series and they didn't. So, you know, neener, neener, boo, boo, like go Kings go. That's sort of my takeaway. Well, they still have those same guys, right? Like yes. they still have the Ryan O'Reilly's, the David Perron's. They still have those guys that can play at a high level. That's it's right. it's not like it's not like it's a completely different team. Like, yeah, they're missing a lot of defensemen that were on the cup team, but you know, they they can still play. It's it, it's tough. It's they're a tough team to beat. That last seven minutes was pretty much completely spent in the King's end and it was heart in your throat time. Yeah. But yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Jack. I mean, yeah, no, St. Louis is a tough team to play against. And and regardless if they have the Tarasenko's and the Jaden Schwartz's and, and so on and so forth offensively. And then obviously Scandella goes out with an injury and Gabranson as well. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, Nana and Abubu is Jesse talked about, <laughs> but you know, St. Louis, the way that they're set up, they're a big physical team that likes to control the puck. And, and uh, it's one of those situations where the Kings, you know, game plan and style that McClellan has them playing almost took advantage of that. You know, you've got a bigger team that's not as fleet of foot. And, you know, I think part of the reason that we saw the Kings get out to this winning streak was because of what the third and fourth line, whatever you want to call it, was doing. And that was just relentless forecheck. And that's exactly what they did tonight. And they took control. You know, the defensemen, you know, the bigger guys on St. Louis weren't able to keep up and kept turning the puck over to to uh, to the Kings, and that led to extensive time in the offensive zone, especially in those first two and a half periods. And overall, it really ran them out of gas and, and helped the Kings get out to that lead. I want to talk about the idea. I, I mean, I do want to sort of as much fun as it is to sort of say who cares, but I do want to focus on the idea that the Kings are going up against opponents who are struggling with their own issues, whether it's lineup issues or coaching issues or whatever. And the reason I want to bring it up is – at the end of last season, they went on a seven-game win streak, and they, I don't know, they picked up points in like 13 out of 15 games or something crazy like that. And everybody jumped on it and said, well, you're playing teams at the end of a season. Some of them have taken their foot off the gas. Some of them aren't expecting the can't. You know, it's, it's very easy for a bad team, quote-unquote bad team, to pick up points at the end of a season that they're not competitive in. But now we see that that has sort of you know, lapsed over into this season. And now if you do take out those four games where they had all the injuries and, and the lineup concerns there, I can't uh, try and find it on Twitter, but I think I said their record is something like 19, four and three. If you ignore the, uh, the games after they lost Walker and Roy. And, and the reason I think is important is because even if, even if you wanted to be as, is ungenerous is that a word even if you wanted to be as negative as possible in your interpretation of the king's recent play there's still a team that is competitive in games in close games right no matter how good the opponent is or no matter how difficult the games are they're not losing right they're not getting blown out i think somebody pointed out 
Um, I think it was Zach Dooley in the last podcast we did. There's only that one game against Vegas where they really got blown out. And so even if you want to say, well, the records could be, you know, they could easily be 14 or 4, 19 and 3, excuse me, instead of 19, 4 and 3. They're still close. And so when you have one more year of Velarde, Jared Anderson Dolan, Bjorn Foot, Peterson, my God, somebody pointed out he'd only played 29 games or something like that. I mean, we talk about him like he's a veteran already. Uh, Mikey Anderson, who wasn't in the lineup. Jared Anderson Dolan, I think I already said his name. Carl Grundstrom. Like, they have so many guys that are rookies or sophomores um, that are just getting stronger and stronger every game. I almost don't – like, the results are great. The results are fun. It's way more fun to watch a win. But I almost don't care about the results because the process on the ice – is so rewarding and and the team is looking just infinitely better than I ever expected them to. Um, Trev, you've seen them in person just as much as I have. Um, do I sound, do I sound like a complete Homer or? Well, they just <laughs> work so hard, right? Yeah. Like that the third and fourth line, they, they forecheck you like the Jarrett Stoll line did back in 2010 through 14. Right. They, they just get in and get after you and keep getting after you. The, that stretch in the second period in between the two goals, I feel like they had a uh, a shift where they forechecked in, was, were able to keep just keep the puck in the zone about three or four times, holding it in at the point or crashing down someone at the half wall. Like they, they just work so hard. And, you know, going back to last year too, you start to think, yeah, at the beginning of the season, they're learning a completely new system. And then, you know, right at the end of the season, it seems like it kind of clicks. Then they have this long break. So I think it would be fairly reasonable to say, you know, we need to kind of revisit learning the system all over again because they had this this long break. So fast forward to this year, you get you start out. Yeah, you get some ups and downs, but now it's you're starting to see it all click in again, right? You're, you're seeing them play a very compact game, a very simple game defensively. They're not taking too many risks in their own end. They're making everybody just stay to the outside, take those low percentage shots and, you know, just trying to beat everyone out on the break and just get out, get out quick, get out of the zone fast and not take too many crazy chances. Um, they're they're so much fun to watch and i don't think you're being a homer at all it's this is the most fun i've had watching this team in in quite a while and it's i it's just because they work so hard every shift sure you bring up a good point because i think you know you talk about the effort level and you know i think they mentioned on the broadcast and and obviously for us three being inside the business we know this as well but when mcclellan got to to la the first five guys he went to were the vets, and that's obviously Quick, uh, Carter, Brown, Kopitar, uh, and Dowdy. And that was, you know, this is what I'm going to do. You're going to have to work hard. You're either with me or you're, you're out of here. And all of them got on board. And, you know, we saw bits and pieces of it last year, but it was a lot of moving pieces and a lot of different things that were being implemented. So it wasn't really consistent. And now all of a sudden, you know, we've got depth in the lineup and, and players you know, playing relatively close to where they should be in terms of the the batting uh, the batting lineup and the batting order, as McClellan has referenced. And now, all of a sudden, that's trickled down because not only do you have the vets that want to keep uh, their career going and the success within their names, 
But then you've got guys, all the young kids who know that they have an opportunity and this is a nice little 56 game tryout. And, you know, they're starting to really make their marks as they've become comfortable. You looked at, you know, Anderson Dolan's ability to find some consistency within the lineup and build that confidence. Now, unfortunately, he's injured right now, but it hasn't stopped a lot of the younger guys who are also in this lineup from being able to do the same thing. And all of a sudden, now we're seeing those results. I want to talk about two guys that didn't factor into the score sheet tonight. Um, I know we're supposed to talk about both games. Uh, I guess we'll sort of talk about the first one in this. But Gabriel Velarde tonight didn't get a goal or an assist, which is just an absolute crime because – some unbelievable moves. Uh, the kid is growing exponentially, and it's it's tough because you look at a team like uh, Toronto that has guys like Marner and Matthews, right, who are who are shooting stars from the instant they hit the league, right? And so you sort of go like, wow, you know, am I making too big a deal of a guy who's already 21 and he's just now playing his 20th or 30th game? And I'm saying stuff like, oh, gosh, he's going to be so good when he puts it all together. Meanwhile, there's guys out there who are, right, you know, just it's not it's not a fair comparison. I'm just conceding that I have these moments of weakness, but I don't even know I brought it up. The point is Gabriel Velarde looks amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think he's going to be incredible. And the other guy is Carl Grundstrom, right, where where Grundstrom to me seemed like a bit of a mystery until he started playing with Jared Anderson Dolan. Not that he wasn't playing well. He would just have high high points. And then there'd be points where I didn't notice him. Or if I did notice him, I'd go like, nah, it wasn't a great shift. Then he gets paired with Moore and Jared Anderson Dolan. And it was like a light switch turned on in his brain. And now they've replaced uh, Jad with Lazat. And that line continues to just generate chances. And as you pointed out, Jack, just forecheck like crazy. And, and they're all over the place. And then, you know, now Velarde's line is getting into it. And and I honestly don't think that Velarde, Carter, and Kempe have chemistry. Like, I, I rarely see them doing anything together. Um, it's just each of the three of them does what they do so well that it, it feels like it just sort of works out more often than not. I'm still waiting for that line to get chemistry. And when it does, I think it's just going to be even more uh, dangerous. Sorry, I don't ever have any questions or points. I'm just... <laughs> just well, I mean, no, it, it's it's interesting you bring up Velarde in particular because he's a guy that I guess I was alluding to in the last comment. But, uh, you know, Velarde, I think, especially in the second game, as you talked about it being a crime that he's not on the score sheet because there were times where, you know, he just stole the puck in the offensive zone and skated around and found himself open nights to, to create a play yeah. or create a shot. And that's something that I think we can all agree on. We didn't necessarily see consistently in the first, you know, dozen games of the season. And all of a sudden, all you get that confidence and you get a guy who has dealt with some adversity in the past. All of a sudden, he feels like he belongs and he feels like he can really take in that second center role. You know, with a guy like Kopitar still, you know, leading the way and, and showing him how it's done, he can be dangerous if this continues. And... To piggyback off of that, you mentioned Kopitar. It seems like Gabe Velarde is finding his strength right now. Like he's he's finally able to to use his body a little bit, keep control of the puck, and really be able to fend off defenders. Just like I mean, Kopi has been able to do his entire career. So that that's been the biggest thing that I've noticed that he's he it looks like he feels so much more comfortable this season. I mean. Granted, small sample size for his career, but um, 
he just looks like he's getting more and more comfortable by the day. And there, there were even shifts tonight. There was a shift in the third period where it felt like he took over. And like you said, Jesse, it's, it's almost a crime that he didn't score because he, he's had so many great shifts. And, and you talk about, you talked about Grunstrom earlier too, like that Grunstrom more Jad or Trevor Moore line. It's they're they're that energy that, you know, the rest of the team just feeds off of. They get in and they get four checking and you can just see the spirits everywhere else start lifting. And then you see a guy like Sean Walker start pinching at the point or when Austin Strand was in the lineup, he's pinching in too. So they're starting to make plays. And I feel like that was something that when they were on that losing streak, they weren't doing as much. They're they're actually feeling so much more confident as a collective unit all together on the ice. Yeah, I want to talk about Kopitar and, and uh, Velarde as in a comparison uh, in a second. But you mentioned Sean Walker, Trevor, and I just need to say it for the record: Sean Walker's got f- balls of steel. Like that dude's face looks <laughs> rough, and he's out there. Like if that happened to me, I would cry and never get out of bed. I mean that that <laughs> dude is amazing, like unbelievable. Um, I do want to talk about Kopitar and Velarde though, because you drew the you guys drew the comparison. Um, this is not a criticism or or a critique, but one of the differences I see between Kopitar and young or young Kopitar and Velarde, um, Jack, I'm sure you don't remember Trevor. I don't know how close you were paying attention to the team when Kopitar did it, but his first goal, his first career goal, right? He he's got Pronger draped all over him and covers what 20 or 30 feet across the goal line to beat Jaguar wide, like just yeah, like strength, what, like just what year was this? 2005 or 06 he was drafted in 05 i think yeah not i was 11 yeah yeah (laughs) i think he was drafted in 05 i think he spent 05 06 in sweden so it would have been 06 07 but regardless right he was always strong right away whereas what velarde to me is doing you know the expression he can um stick handle in a phone booth like that shift where Velarde was on the wall, right? He kept the puck in the zone, got pinched along the wall, beat two or three guys swarming him, kept the pucks, you know, drove to the middle and then got a scoring chance out of it. Um, although I'm not sure if it was technically a shot on a goal, my least favorite stat in the world. But I mean, that's the sort of thing that I'm not even sure that Kopitar would do now. Not, right? Not saying one is better than the other, but I just feel like Kopitar came in because he took that year, played in Sweden, didn't have health problems like um, Gabe did. Right, he just came in and was instantly beating people with speed. Whereas I feel like Velarde just has a a lot more finesse in his hands. Um, hopefully, it you know to the same overall effect that Kopitar has had in his career. But um, Jack, to my point about Sean Walker, uh, I mean, did you see that interview he gave where you could see the 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 dent on the side of his head? <laughs> like my God, yeah. It's not the best look, but hey, you know, he's he's a hockey player and, and everyone knows, you know, how tough hockey players are. So kudos to him for obviously getting back out on the ice as soon as, as he could, given the situation of of his, you know, his his face. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, by all means, credit to the guy. It's something to, to come back and obviously it's scarring to, to take a puck to the face. And he's been ruthless since he's come back. And I think he's really had an impact on the defense, you know, particularly a guy like Doughty, who hasn't had to put as much time on the ice and been able to conserve his energy and be a little bit more aggressive and effective, it's it's worked out so far. And, and uh, I guess that goes you know alongside uh, the the re 
the addition, I guess, is the better word. <laughs> the addition <laughs> of uh, of Matt Roy into the lineup as well. Yeah, Trevor, let's go ahead and uh, tackle the play of the series for you. What was the play of the series? Oh, it's there were so so many. I mean, there were so many saves to pick from. I mean, it's. I feel like the big the biggest story to me about how this team has played in this winning streak and to start the year, and especially these last two games were Quick and Peterson. So to me, the play the play of the series for me was Peterson late on that. Um, I can't remember if it was the delayed penalty or the ensuing power play, but they got it cross ice to Hoffman and he read it perfect. Mm. Ended up with the save right in his bread basket. And I feel like that just encapsulates how well they've been playing and the kind of confidence that the rest of the team can play with knowing that they have two number one goaltenders back there right now. And they're playing so well. They're like, I mean, you want to play hot hand, but what do you do when they're both hot? So, yeah. so yeah. to me, that was, that was my play of the series. Just, I mean, you could name any one of those saves from quick or Peterson that were big. He had quick had one that was huge in the slot with his left pad. Um, second mm-hmm. period in the first game. Um, that was another huge one. So, I mean, I could go on about those saves, but they they were they were the story of me. Jack, how about you? It, uh, before I get to that, I just want to comment because uh, it, it's funny that you talk about the the save that he made on Hoffman, Trev, because you know it's one of those you know cliches within the game of of hockey where you know when they talk about how a goalie's on, it just seems like every puck hits him in the chest. And for a guy to go from one dot to the other cross ice and still just be centered up on a one-timer is phenomenal. You know, the goalies, you know, we'll get to player of the game, but I mean, the play of the game, you can take any save, like you said. For me, I mean, if I'm not going to take a save, I'll say the Velarde goal that started the series. You know, obviously they shut them out in the first game, so that ended up being the game-winning goal, which I believe was technically his third game-winning goal in a row at the time because he had the shootout winner in the first game against uh, Arizona. But uh, on top of that, you know, that was a, a shift that the, the the Kings were in their zone for a minute or a minute and a half, continuously pressuring. And for them to be able to, to you know, start, you know, taking advantage of those opportunities and not just keeping a team in their defensive zone, but scoring on those possessions is is so important and, and something that, you know, it seems that we've started to see a little bit more and more during this win streak. So I'll take the Velarde goal. You want to know what's insane? <laughs> Has totally that we completely just forgot about Justin Brown's goal right yeah. now. Yes, yeah. that's exactly right. I I was thinking to myself because I didn't think about it before this episode started. I was like, "What am I going to choose for play the game?" I was like, "Do I take the delayed penalty?" And then I was like, "Oh yeah, Dustin Brown scored an unbelievable goal in the first game." <laughs> like, I totally forgot. Um, so I'm going to go with that because it is Trevor and I were talking, Jack. There's some talk now that I follow's goal in the second period of, of the second game may be credited to goal, which would be his 11th on the season, um, which is just nonsense. It's just silly. Um, How I, many, wait, wasn't it like two years ago where everyone was saying he's washed up? I mean, it was <laughs> well, eight, five years eight, eight ago. Years ago. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were trying Still to trade him it. in 2012. 
Um, yeah. yeah. Hey, I mean, his kids think he's washed up too. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to go <laughs> ahead. And, wrong. I'm going to go ahead and take Dustin Brown's goal, uh, in the first game, not the one in the second game. Um, uh, but Trevor player of the series. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to go back to the well with the goaltenders again, even though it's so easy. Like you could, you could pick, you could just pick the LA Kings goaltenders as the player of yeah. the series. Yeah. It's, I mean, I feel like that's the the easiest way to go to, and they deserve it. They 100% deserve it. But, you know, if if I want to pick another guy, it's another guy that really stood out to me. I it, I think it's Drew Doughty. Like he he's playing so within himself right now. It's he he still takes a few chances, but he's he's playing some of the best act like defense in his own zone that. I think we've ever seen him play. He's been so good. Um, he had that block late in the third period that yeah. probably saved a goal too. Like it, I mean, he, he's the, he's that guy again. He is that Drew Doughty that was just dominant to start his career. And I mean, you could say that that Drew never really left. He just had to do a lot more than, than was he had around him. But, you know, I guess if I'm not going to pick the goaltenders, I'll go with Drew Doughty. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we can all agree that the goalies are, you know, they're put them together and they, they deserve it. The, you know, the great thing about when you get on a winning streak like this and they're playing so well is you can pick like eight guys that deserve it. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, you take into consideration uh, Dustin Brown's milestone of 1,200 Gets the game-winning... Uh, no, he didn't get the game-winning. Velarde did. But he had two goals and then potentially had a goal tonight uh, at the time of this recording. Uh, how can you not go with Dustin? You know, the guy's still got it. I believe he now leads the uh, Western Conference in goals. So take that into consideration. Uh, or not Western Conference, the uh, the West Division. Yeah. Uh, Pacific Division. Honda Pacific Division. Honda West Division. <laughs> yeah, we're sponsored. Uh but got to pay the bills, right? Um, so, yeah, I'll go Dustin Bro. Yeah, all due respect, Trevor, that's the correct answer. Um, plays his 1,200 <laughs> game, three goals. Um, and, you know, you know, like I said earlier that I didn't think the Kempe, uh, Velarde, uh, Carter line was showing much chemistry. The thing with Dustin Brown, I've said it plenty of times already this season, but the thing that fascinates me about the Kopitar Brown Ayafalo line is that until recently I hadn't really been seeing a ton from Ayafalo. Whereas he's usually, in my mind, the guy that's driving the energy on the line. It, it's only been in the last three or four games that I've seen that from him. And it, it felt to me like Kopitar and Brown were accruing points just out of just out of sheer experience. Like they just knew like an opportunity would open up and they'd be like, Oh yeah, I can get a point there. I'm gonna go get a point. And they and they would, but they weren't like fighting for them. Um but but like I said, now that I follow is energized, all of a sudden I'm seeing that line really sort of dominating shifts in a way that they haven't for a few seasons. Um, and Dustin Brown looks great. And like I said, three goals, 1200 games. It's Dustin Brown for me, player of the game. Um, Trevor, I want to talk about your gig as PA announcer because everybody's making do, you know, how we can. The, obviously the COVID protocols are sort of impacting every part of this game. But ordinarily, you would be located in between the penalty boxes. I'm assuming that you are not for these games, correct? No, no. It's so. Uh, this is 
this is my first year, obviously, doing any games for the Kings, but I used to fill in for Dave in Ontario when the two teams would play on the same night. Mm-hmm. I'd do the Ontario game. So, yeah, usually you're right there in, in between the two penalty boxes right there at the scorer's table. So it makes everything really easy if a referee comes over and tell and gives you a bunch of penalties at one time, then you, you hear everything right there. The scorer right next to you tells you, what's going on or who scored. But right now I'm at the top of section 111 in a plexiglass box and have nobody around me except the official scorer on a headset. When, whenever there's something that happens, he'll put it on. So I can't actually just ask him at any point. Right. I hope that he puts the headphones on and radios down to me. Uh, so it, it's definitely different. It's a challenge, but I mean, everything's a challenge these last 12 years, it seems like. So, but I mean, you've done, (laughs) you've done PA work for a number of different organizations. Um, How weird is it to do it without a crowd? So the funny thing, it's funny you say that because I, I did some MLS games this past summer in front of no fans. So I was already used to it. So coming to do Kings games I, it, it didn't bother me at all. Like it, I, I was so used to, you know what, try and figure out the the whole energy thing and keep up the energy, even though there's no fans. So I, uh, it, I, hate, I hate to confess yeah. that I don't watch MLS games, but did they have pumped in crowd noise in the MLS oh, games? Yes. Oh, they did. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. All right. Oh yes. Pumped in crowd noise, pumped in uh supporter section, chants and songs and everything. Drums. Oh yeah. It, it was the full, the full shebang. I mean, I know on a on a normal game night, you would have uh, you know game ops in your ear, the ice crew coordinator in your ear, the officials in your ear, right? The you know the league in your ear telling you you know we're coming out of commercial now, period ends now, blah 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 blah. How many voices do you have in your ear now that that a lot of those elements are are not present? Just I only have the um, wonton, our new uh, VP of game. Uh, presentation mm-hmm. and events um and marianne who produces the games it's pretty much just them and then if the official scorer comes on the headset to tell me anything and that's it mm-hmm. like there's there is nobody else there's nobody around uh some sometimes we may see uh one of the assistants from pr come by uh kaylee might come by but other than that like it's it's nobody i'm i'm all by myself over there and uh, we know it's all hands on deck. The ice crew is made up of people, you know, that work in the office this year. Um, we're getting help wherever we can. So why don't you tell the folks at home who maybe don't know, uh, what's your real job, Trev? <laughs> yeah, so, so <laughs> I work in the video production department as a supervisor of video production. So we're, we're all part of the team that puts together black and white and in the pipeline, uh, inside the play, all those, uh, features and everything that go out on, uh, on social media, on the website, sometimes on Fox sports West. And, um, we're all a part of the like team, uh, team marketing video, uh, squad there. So a lot of, a lot of my time usually would be spent down in the chicker and press room in a normal year. We're just watching the game, making sure everybody's, all our cameramen are uh, around in their right spots and uh, have everything they need, batteries and whatever. Uh, but yeah, this is this is definitely different this year. 
And uh, for those who may not have, like I said, may not have heard your name before, uh, Trev is the Swiss Army knife of the organization. Anytime I need anything, the first person I think to reach out to is Trevor, whether it's a clip, um, a piece of equipment, uh, a phone number, <laughs> a password, whatever it is. Trev's <laughs> always my go-to guy. Um, I bumped into you at a game. You were wearing a suit, and I had to do a double take. I, <laughs> I barely recognize yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> and it's 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 funny because I like I, I started doing the games this season in a in a suit, and then noticed uh, noticed a bunch of other staff that were there just in kind of you know like yep. dressy casuals. So yep. I'm like, okay, well, I guess uh, guess I don't need to be doing this this year. So yeah. <laughs> we've we've all kind of adjusted, but yeah, I wore I, a, I wore a suit on game one. And immediately noticed that a bunch of other people that are usually in suits were in, uh, you know, vests and button ups with no tie. And I went, oh, okay, (laughs) that's good to know. If you're not on camera, maybe you don't need a suit anymore for now anyway. Yeah. So, so every game that I haven't worn a suit at home, the Kings have won. So I think that's a, I think that's a sign. It's a no suit screwed up. I like it. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Jack coming up, the Kings play Minnesota two games in a row. And, uh, you know, this was supposed to be the last two games against Minnesota of the season. We've got one more postponed into, I think, April, April 23rd, I think is when it is. Um, look, this may be hyperbole. This may be overly dramatic. But I think these two games against Minnesota are inc- just incredibly important and will be incredibly educational, right? Minnesota has had some problems. The Kings caught them off guard a few games ago when they were coming off that two-week break. But now Minnesota's on their own winning streak. I think it's four games now. Um, And whether or not the Kings are a realistic contender for that fourth playoff spot, it looks like Minnesota is the team barring the way. And there's three games left on the schedule against Minnesota. So, I mean, what are we looking for in this this series coming up? Well... I think it's interesting because in one way, the Kings and and the Wild play very alike. And I think that is their ability to control the game once they figure out how to possess the puck. But the way that they do that is completely different. So, you know, the Wild are a team that loves to forecheck, but they do it in a much different way than the Kings do. The Kings are much more speed on you, cause the turnover, create havoc, where the Wild are much more of a deep, you know, physical, more methodical, like, we're just going to get it behind you guys, and we're going to control it, we're going to wear you down, and we're just going to tire you out because we have the bodies and the consistency to keep rolling lines to be able to keep that up on our end so that i think is going to be the real battle between you know the two games that we have back to back friday saturday it's interesting because you know you mentioned both teams are now on a win streak the king's hottest team in the nhl the wild four games in a row after having dropped the one to to la now, as you mentioned, these these two games are very important. We're going to find out, you know, how, you know, how they not only how they match up, and we know that they match up uh, very tightly. Every game is seemingly uh, a one goal game, aside from when you know the Wild took two players out on the Kings, and when the Kings, you know, took down a, a depleted Minnesota team after COVID. So, by all means, I think this is going to be something that we're going to be able to to really you know measure ourselves against because as you talked about this is the team that seems to be in the the king's way if it you know comes down to making a playoff spot assuming st louis gets back on track when they get healthy 
the Kings now have have beaten St. Louis what three to one in their four game series, and that was all on the road, right? So you yes. figure St. Louis is going to be good, but that's that's six points that maybe maybe not six, but maybe two or three points that I don't know that you would necessarily expect heading into the season for the Kings to have against a, a division leader. Um, they lost one to Anaheim already that they probably should have had back. Uh, they took three out of four from San Jose. They lost two to Vegas. So, I mean, you start to look at how they're matching up against specific opponents. And this win streak has really helped, obviously. But, again, the the most, you know, the more points you can take from Minnesota, the better. And there's only six left on the table. Um, they're going to lose eventually. Excuse me. I'm getting <laughs> emotional thinking about them losing a game. Uh, they're going to lose eventually. <laughs> they can't win forever. But, Trev, can they extend? I mean, how many points... Worst case scenario, what's the minimum amount of points they have to come away with in Minnesota for you to feel comfortable? I think if they can get a split, then everything is is right as rain to me. I would love to get, I would love to get all four or three, mm-hmm. but if they can come out with two after taking, after taking all uh, all eight all points eight, in the first yeah. four games, like, I mean, it's it's the it's the thought of if you can play 500 hockey on the road, you're, you're in a good spot for the playoffs. Like all you have to do is just take care of your business at home and not drop too many games at home. And, and you're in a real good spot. And right now the Kings are six, four and oh on the road. So, I mean, you keep, you keep up that kind of level of play on the road and, and you're, you're looking really good. So starting this whole this whole uh, road trip, I was thinking, you know what, if you can take, if you can take six points out of 12, you're, that's a great trip for how, for how difficult this trip could have been too. But now that we're sitting at eight, I mean, I would love all of them, but if the Kings can split in Minnesota, I think that's huge. And then the one rescheduled game later in April could end up being a very big game. Yeah. I mean, looking at the standings, it's it's wonky now, right? Because teams have played a vastly different number of games. But the thing that I'm looking at, um, as always, is goal differential, which is my personal favorite, and win percentage. I know the Kings are, are technically in, what, third place now if you go just on points. Um, but if you look at points percentage, they're squarely in fourth. Um, they're above St. Louis. They're obviously behind Vegas, um, just behind Colorado and quite a, and, and behind Minnesota. But look, An- Anaheim and San Jose are minus 18 and minus 17 in goal differential. Those teams have problems, and they're not fixing them anytime soon. And then it really is just Arizona, Minnesota, <laughs> and L.A. And, you know, I mean, we keep saying it. None of those teams really stands out to me uh, more than others. Anyway, I want to thank you guys for joining me. Trev, thanks for, for joining us. Thanks for doing the, P- the PA announcing. They, yeah, uh, thanks for having me, Jesse. I appreciate it. Feels redundant to say PA announcing. Thanks for doing the public <laughs> announcing. <laughs> and uh, thanks, Jack. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll beat your, your crummy Minnesota Wild coming up. Uh, I hope for two overtime games. There we go. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, Kings fans. I've been Jesse Cohen. We'll talk to you soon.